Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor. It's always fun to have officers and people around to protect us in this world. But when you get to know them and they become your friend, you are really grateful for them. And our friend today is Chief Yarborough. Chief, tell us a little bit about where you are serving and what you're doing. Good morning, Jill, and thank you so much for this opportunity. It is always a wonderful privilege to speak about not only the calling of being a police officer, but the calling to be a servant of Christ. And I am a chief of police in the city of Hutto. It's a a wonderful, fast-growing city northeast of Austin. And I will tell you that it is one of those most special places that when you visit, you know that it is a place when people say, welcome to Hutto, they mean it. God sends us to places where he wants us to do a work, and when you get there, you will know it. And, and, and I am just so humbled and thankful to be able to be a servant in this community and serving some of the most amazing people that you could ever come across in your walk during our lifetime. Well, what was your journey to chief? You were a firefighter? Were you a policeman? What sort of things did you do prior? Well, before becoming a police officer, I grew up in the oldest town in Texas, Nacogdoches, and it's in East Texas. And many people who know where Nacogdoches is, they know it as Nowhere. I've heard it called a lot of things, but (laughs) that is where you'll find my roots. And I grew up, you know, there with a father who was in the ministry and he was in law enforcement. I have a brother who's in ministry and in law enforcement. I joined the military following my father, and then my brother later joined the military, and we all served in law enforcement. And it's just been a part of life for me. I tell people that, you know, growing up with a father who was a both a minister and police officer, there are two things I definitely could not do. He, although he told me there are many things I could do, two things that I knew I couldn't do, and that was to go to jail and to go to hell. I couldn't do either of those. So I decided to join him in the pursuit of public safety and on the path towards uh, helping others through the ministry. I went into the U.S. Army and proudly served my country with the 101st Airborne Division. I served in Operation Desert Storm. And when I finished, I actually got out of the military and joined the police academy and started my ranks at a municipality. So I've worked in several cities. I've worked for county agencies. I've worked at the state level where I traveled the state and worked capital murder cases. And I actually started two school district police departments in the state of Texas. So I've been very privileged to have served in many capacities in the field of law enforcement. And it certainly sounds like people have been very privileged to have you around. I'd like to talk about some of the things that you face as you go into the into the streets when you're dealing with crime and the families that are being hurt by it. What is the thing that you most want to provide, you know, to keep your officers safe and to be able to go home at the end of their shift? Well, I will tell you that most people in law enforcement, we hear us called by many different names. You know, you're a police officer, you hear law enforcement, but fundamentally, we are peace officers. And I love that because it aligns with who I am and so many of 
our brothers and sisters in law enforcement who we really are. We're peacemakers. And the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. And I've grown to realize that sometimes being a peace officer, and I'm going to say it the way we do in Texas, sometimes being a peace officer ain't so peaceful. You know, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there are times that it requires us to face some of the most challenging things that life can throw at us and throw at those that we were called to protect. And we're human. I want people to understand that there are people with feelings behind the badge. And many times we will go home and cry ourselves to sleep and get back up the next day to do it again. And one of the things that I always try to instill in my offices is I want to provide them with this. You've got to walk into a room or into a situation like God sent you there. And when you're there, you have to do the work of our Father who sent us. And that requires many things. You have to be so many things to so many people. You have to do so many things for so many people. And that is a what I call the privilege to serve. We have that opportunity. And yes, you will be persecuted, but you go anyway and love your enemies while you pray for them and those that persecute you. So I want people to understand that it is not easy being in law enforcement. The calling is not easy. And I want them to understand that it's not for the faint of heart. And there are times when you will face things where it will break your heart, but you continue to do it anyway for the cause and for the calling. I think one of the things that you hit right on the the nail is there's been a kind of an ugly turn in our culture that all of a sudden the police are bad. The people who are protecting us, we don't want them. It's really unbelievable that that kind of insanity is existing. The first time somebody's assaulted, they're looking for somebody to help them, you know, <laughs> but, yes. but they're, yeah. they're downgrading them with their words and everything that they can do when they're on the street. They're getting stirred up about stuff that just breaks my heart. I agree. And when I see what we're dealing with in our country and our nation, at least I look at it from the lens of everything is seasonal. And this is the season that we're in. And when you see the level of chaos and you see some of the challenges that we're facing in our society, it seems like it's consistent with what you see in the confusion of war. In war, anything can happen. And sometimes your friends can look like the enemy and your enemy can look like your friend. And the words and actions that were once considered to be offensive are now acceptable. But in the midst of war, there is no peace except within those who are guided by the Prince of Peace. And so we have to be undeterred in what we do. And the law says that our peace can't be disturbed. And that, again, goes back to why I feel that we in this profession are blessed, because we are the peacemakers and we're guided by the Prince of Peace. My grandmother used to say something back when we were growing up years ago. She would she would say things when... There were major calamities that were happening in society, or you see it on the news, she'd say, well, this is that. And what she was talking about, and I didn't know what that meant, but I grew up saying that until my dad explained to me what she was actually saying. She was talking about a Bible verse. It says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he was talking about things that were going on in his day in the midst of chaos and plagues during those times. And even through all of that, what he was calling for was repentance and asking people to turn back to God. Because when we lose the path and we lose the way, 
you will not find that path and you will not find that way unless you turn back to him. And that's something that I've seen here. The further you get away from the direction that God desires for us to go, the more of what we're seeing we will see. And that's unfortunate. And I pray over that because when you don't like what you see, we have to understand that we're walking by faith and not by sight. Even though you see those things, we have to continue down the path of duty and truth because that is what our commission is. When you have such a strong faith, are you able to share that with those who are on your police force, those who are meeting with you? What's your ability to bring this down to that nugget of, you know, God knows what we're going through? In this profession, we're called not for the best of times, but we're called to respond to some of the worst of times for people, some of the worst of times for families and for communities. And you will see time and again, anytime there is a tragedy or a calamity or a catastrophe, you see people running from those situations and law enforcement running towards those things. And I know that there's confusion, there's concern that you will find in many law enforcement officers. And there's uncertainty in what we do and why we do what we do. But what I want uh, officers to understand and I want our communities to understand is that being in law enforcement is more than a profession. It is a calling. And when you're called to serve, you're called to serve at whatever capacity that moment requires. If it calls for you to run into a burning building, you do that. If it calls for you to lay down your life for your friend, we know that that's what you're going to do. We see it all the time because there is no greater love. And I have lost officers and friends in the calling because they have given the ultimate sacrifice to go and give. I had a meeting yesterday and I was telling some people at the meeting that there are times when officers will get up in the morning and we feel like something's just not right. And it's like, this might be that day that I'm going to be called to make that ultimate sacrifice. And you're you're trying to wrestle through that and you're trying to process through that as you're putting on your bulletproof vest, as you're getting on the radio saying, I'm 1041, meaning I'm beginning my tour of duty and you go out to do this. That is a sacrifice, and that is a commitment, and that is a love for your fellow man that you cannot describe. It has to be experienced, and that's one of the things that I really believe that if the community and society truly wants to know what our officers face and what our officers experience and how our officers feel, ride beside them during a ride-along. Get a chance to go out and see what they face how they get in their cars and break down and and sometimes have to stay up to three or four o'clock in the morning because they'll go out and they'll use all of their courage to make sure that others are encouraged and they get in their vehicles and they go home discouraged. But it is the calling and it is not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart, but those that are called that have the proper heart, the proper temperament coming into this profession and doing what we were called to do, not what you were hired to do, you make that positive impact. And we see in society where you can tell the difference from those who are doing this as a job and those who are doing this as a calling. You can see the difference. We are talking right now with Chief Yarborough, and he is absolutely giving us some real gems right here on Choose Life Radio. So don't go away. We're going to take a quick break on Choose Life Radio. 
In Exodus 17, Moses is standing on a hilltop watching Joshua and the Israeli army battling below. God's staff is in Moses' hand, and he's focused on the battle. As time wore on, it became obvious when Moses kept his arms and staff high in the air, Joshua and his army prevailed. But when his arms began to drop, the army began to lose. So while the battle was raging, Aaron and Hur ran to the top of the hill to help Moses. They placed a stone so he could be seated, and then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. As the Bible records, his hands remained steady until the sun went down. This is the way Joshua defeated Amalek and his army. Listener, you represent Aaron and Hur. You keep our arms high and our words readily heard by those in the valley. Like Moses, we can't do it alone. You're a crucial part of the battle for life. Through your generous prayer and financial support, you keep Choose Life Radio on the air each weekend, and you keep the website current and the podcasts available for all to hear. You know, you can make your generous contribution today at our website, chooseliferadio.com, or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622. That's in Canton, Ohio, 44735. Your tax-deductible contribution is helpful as we share the value of human life. So I thank you for holding our arms and staff high for all to see and hear, and for joining us in the battle for life. And thank you for being an essential part of the Choose Life Radio family. You are loved. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I am so thrilled that you're with us today. Every week we try to get an interview that is true life, things that we're dealing with in this world. Most recently, I've been brokenhearted over what I'm seeing in treatment of the police because I'm so sure that if I had anything happening, I would be calling out for the policeman to come. So it's my joy to have with us Chief Yarborough out of Texas. He is telling us today what it's like to be a policeman, what it takes to train for that, and what it means every day that you leave your family. We're going to talk about that right now. Jeffrey Yarborough, tell me a little bit about what it takes to walk out the door of your house where everything is calm, and then you know you're going into things you can't even perceive that might happen. When you take on the responsibility, and and I will say it's an awesome responsibility, to be a public servant, a peace officer, you know that there are going to be sacrifices that have to be made. And there are times when birthday parties aren't able to be attended by you because of the commitment and the calling that we have to society. I remember I was working a capital murder case years ago, and um, I was out with the mom of a, of a victim who had been killed. And I was there interviewing and meeting with her and with another investigator, and we were talking with her, and I got a phone call that my mom was dying. I walked out, I collected myself, and I went back in, and it was a few hours away where my mom was. I went back in, and I was sitting down, and one of the ladies there said, you know, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I just want to make sure that y'all are okay. And so finally, they kept asking, and I told them, well, you know, I just got a call that my mom was passing away. 
and the mom of the victim, she cried even more. And what she said was what I always call their God moment. You see in life that put things in perspective. She said, now here it is, your mom's dying, but you're still here helping me. I said, my mom wouldn't have it any other way. And so when you think about who we are as law enforcement professionals and who we are in this business and in this calling, we're dealing with the same things that others are dealing with. The challenge is we have to deal with them in a different way. If you have personal issues that you're faced with and you're dealing with things at work, you're having to approach it a different way. You can't drop everything to go and take care of those things that matter to us when everything matters to us. And I want people to understand that there are times when you see situations where law enforcement engages in actions or behaviors that are not becoming or that society and even other officers see as unacceptable. We acknowledge that. We recognize that. We don't want that either because at the end of the day, we know that we are peace officers. We know that we are public servants and we know that we have what we call that greater love that we will not shy away from laying down our lives for our friends. And that is just something that you will see in those who serve that there are many times when you look back, it's like you think about all the years that have passed and the opportunities that have passed for you to have made a greater impact in your family's life and in your own life and your own mental health. But your calling gives you the privilege to do for so many and to be for so many. That is something that is often missed. People will erase all the good that officers and law enforcement does for our society and for our community and for our people. They will erase all the good and focus on one bad thing when that's not who we are. The snapshot is not who we are. What's more accurate, seeing a picture of an incident or seeing the video? You know, one of the things that really blesses my heart about you is the scripture that I see on your Facebook, your Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. One thing that blesses me when I read your various information, sir, is that you are talking about Christ while you're talking about your work. You're talking about God and what he provides us. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll tell you, that scripture is very, very important to me because the battlefield I found in the Christian life, in many ways, it, it starts in the mind. And there are things that you get in your mind that will cause you to be distracted and discouraged. And, and you know, and one of the things that I like in that verse is it talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And it goes on, it talks about think on these things. Sometimes, you know, in addition to loving your neighbors, you have to hug your haters. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we have to do that because love conquers hate. And it's all about erasing what misunderstandings that exist in life and in society. And I've learned that there are times when, when there are people that you truly care about, it's so easy to get distracted by things that the enemy puts in your mind to make you believe. And so if you truly love, and we talk about love conquering hate and love covers a multitude of sin and and harm, when you think about people that you truly care about, if you get a misperception about what they have said or done to you, and you're thinking that they did this for pure 
ill intent. That's either a lie from yourself or a lie from the evil one. We have to make sure that we're giving people the benefit of the doubt. We're looking at whatever is pure, whatever is true, because we are living in a society where, unfortunately, in the media and particularly social media, you can be all that you never thought you could be. And you can do things that most people wouldn't even have dreamed or imagined years ago. And it creates a tenseness and a climate of frustration and tension that is not healthy. And it, at some point, all of those frustrations and the level of anger will overflow and you have turmoil. And that's something that it washes away the peace and the purity and the loveliness and the admirability. And that's why we have to step back and say, today I choose love. I choose to see the best in people. And it's kind of like there with kids. My son passed away uh, about three years ago, but I didn't want to create a life to where when my son was going through something or he, or he faced, if he, if, he, if he ever got in trouble, the last thing I wanted for him to say was, oh, my God, my dad's going to get me. The first response I wanted him to have was, oh, my God, I'm calling my dad. That is the opportunity that we have. And so many times when we think about the missed opportunities that we have, people that don't know Jesus, I want them to be able to see the actions in me and see my words and, and me smiling through the midst of pain. I want them to say, I'm drawn to that. And in due time and in due season, they will see that that attraction was not me. It's the Jesus in me. Every day I'll go, I'll pray that people see Jesus in me, in my words, my actions, my thoughts, and my deeds. And as I wear this badge, I wear it in honor that this is something that God called me to do, and I'm going to do it while there is still light. Jeffrey, tell me a little bit about losing your son. Yes, ma'am. I will tell you, that was one of the most heartbreaking yet revealing moments in my life of the love of Christ. I was at work early that morning and I got a call from my son and I wasn't able to answer because I was meeting with some people. And so I texted him and said, hey, I'm in a meeting. I'll call you back. And so when I finished, I called him and he said, uh, hey, dad, are you in Austin? And I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm actually, I was at work. And, and he said, well, I had a flat tire and um, I, I don't have a jack. And so I said, yeah. I said, I, I said, I got one. I said, I'll drive down and uh, meet you. So he told me he was at his office. So I went there, and when I walked up, he was asleep in the car, and I knocked on the window and woke him up. And it was an interesting thing. It was, for some reason, now my son was 32, and it was, for some reason, I felt uh, overwhelming sympathy for him. I said, well, you don't have a jack. Do you have a spare tire? And we laughed, and he said, yes, sir. So I said, well, go ahead and get the spare, and I got my jack. And so I was in a suit. So he, he rolled the spare up to his vehicle when I was getting the jack out of my car and I saw him rolling the tire and I took a picture and it was at 831. Took a picture and I walked over to him and I said, what do you see? And he said, I see me rolling the tire. I said, you know what I see, boy? And he said, what? I said, I see the most work you're going to do all day. We just, we both laughed. And so I got down and I started changing the tires. We talked and his boss came out and said, are y'all okay? And my, my son said, yes, sir. He said, I had a flat. My dad's helping me get it taken care of. And so we finished and we stood there and we talked for a while. And I said, I got to get to the office, son. I love you, boy. And he said, um, I love you too, pops. I'm going to take the tire over to discount tire and get it replaced. And as I backed out, he, he got in his vehicle and he backed out. And I started driving out of the parking lot, looked in review, and he's sitting there. 
So I drove out of the parking lot and I found out later that about 90 seconds after I pulled out of the parking lot, my son opened his car door, he took a step and collapsed and he died of a heart attack at the age of 32. I tell people all the time, I thank God that number one, I wasn't too busy. I thank God, number two, that the last words he heard from me was, I love you, boy. And the last words I heard from him was, I love you too, Pop. One of my friends asked me one time, he said, well, is there anything that you wish you had done? And I said, yeah, I wished I had bought him the Jordans. Because growing up, you know, when my son was, you know, young and it was just he and I, he'd ask me, Dad, you know, I want these Jordans and and I wish I could have bought him the Jordans, but at the time I couldn't afford them. But, you know, you look back and it's like, by the Jordans. But I am so thankful that I had that moment. I'm so thankful that I had my son. And now I'm so thankful that God has him until I get there. Thank you so much. Our guest today, Jeffrey Yarbrough, your stories about serving, it's a great reminder for us to be kind, to be respectful, to be grateful for what happens when we have a policeman having to pull us over sometimes for driving too fast. Be kind, be respectful, understand when you're in the wrong. (laughs) Those are the things that I need to practice. But just understanding that they are human beings and they have families and they are leaving their families to protect us. Wow. A powerful message today, and especially we grieve with you about your son. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you. I'll tell you, it was a blessing. 32 years was a tremendous blessing for me. You know, I think we've learned a lot today that we can apply on our own ways. Appreciate having you here, listener, and I'm looking forward to having you come back next week right here on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.